Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan. How's it going? You know what we need to do, Amy? What? We need a rain show. We've never uh, done a rain show. Yeah? Rain shows are the best. Let's hear about that. Yep. Sunday uh, night. I know where Nashville, you're going with this. Certain pop star was in town. Right. And and I was at I had tickets for a Sunday night show, Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour. And we got to the stadium at four thirty, Amy. Right at right a little before four thirty. Show's supposed to start at six thirty, so we're gonna beat the crowds, get in there. Total dad move, right? Right. We, we get there. You and Ethan. Yeah. So we get there and and then the bottom fell out for about five hours. It stormed. Hail, rain, lightning, you name it, shelter in place, thunderstorm warnings. And we all waited, me and 70,000 of my closest friends. And there you go. Taylor came on at 10.15 and did a three-and-a-half-hour set and got done around 1.35. And I didn't get in bed till 2.30 in the morning, and it was worth every bit of sleep that I lost and everything. It was incredible. Because where were you the next morning? I was uh, getting up to catch a plane at 6 a.m. That's right. To go to New That's Orleans. Right. I was a zombie on Monday, but we still got a lot done. I pushed through, slept a little on the plane. It was funny because I um, I was tracking what was happening Sunday night because, I mean, my social media feed just from all Nashville friends was full uh, of what was happening. So I knew. And I was so curious about your day the next day because I knew you'd be on that plane early. And I knew you weren't going home, that oh, you no. were going to stay. Oh, you yes. were going to stay until she called it. I could have gone straight to the airport. I'd have been fine with that. So, been a on so on Monday, I wondered, I wonder how he's doing. And I didn't hear anything from you all day. And then I think I, I finally sent you a message and said, uh, how are you doing? Are you tired? And you, <laughs> you just wrote back, I am exhausted. <laughs> it was worth it. Absolutely yeah. worth it. I went to bed about eight thirty, nine o'clock on Monday night and just crashed. But uh, I finally wow. caught up. I'm feeling better now. But yeah, 42 years old is not the um, not a good age to be staying out till 2.30 yep. in the morning. Uh, so I don't think any of the age is good to stay out till 2.30 in the morning, but it's definitely so here's not 42. What, here's what I'm wondering right now. I'm wondering how many of our listeners are new enough to this show to be curious thinking, oh, that's odd that he went to a Taylor Swift show and stayed. Not odd at all. The, the oldies, the old timers are like, nope, nope, that's completely nope, on brand. That's, yes, on brand for Jonathan. Yes. So. It was incredible. So we need to do a rain show, Amy, because rain shows are more fun. Great. That does not <laughs> sound fun to me. I, but. My hair didn't get messed up Sunday night, so. Yeah. 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 I also heard that Taylor's didn't that much either. Like, she's no, her, got some her, great. Yeah, the makeup was like on point the entire night too. That was uh, one of yeah. the things everybody's talking about. So, yep. but it was incredible, great night, fun night, and uh, of the seven billion people on the planet, only seventy thousand of us can say we were at the uh, Nashville Night Three Eras Tour. So that's right. Well, I know, I know four of you who were there because, um, or five because yeah. uh, you and Ethan and Hillary. Our uh, friend well, and her and, husband Dustin, yeah, right, and her husband Dustin, and then um, and then a, a a friend of friend of Drew's here that I was just talking to tonight. She went with her her uh, family. They traveled to Nashville. She and her mom and sisters. And so I was just talking to her this evening at a school event um, 
about that. So it's a cool, cool thing. So, yeah. And, and I learned something that may or may not come in handy at the SBC annual meeting is that you can do a show in the rain and it can pour the whole time and things can still happen. I don't think it's going to rain inside the convention center. We're going to have bigger problems if that happens. But right. I know that it can be done. <laughs> it can be done. It can be done. All right. Well, hey, speaking of the SBC, let's jump into the show this week. Thanking our sponsor each and every week, the Baptist Press Newsletters. If you're looking to stay informed and engaged in the latest missions, discipleship, leadership, and political happenings in the SBC, look no further than the brand new Baptist Press Newsletters, BP Missions, Discipleship, Leadership, and Politics. These weekly newsletters offer insightful and thought-provoking content that will deepen your understanding and strengthen your faith. You can subscribe over at baptistpress.com slash subscribe. That's baptistpress.com slash subscribe. We start, Amy, in Florida with a really odd story this week, something I don't think we've seen here on the podcast in our almost eight years total of doing this. We're, we're getting close to that start of the ninth year, by the way, just a couple of weeks away. But the Florida Baptist Convention was the victim of some financial fraud uh, spoofing a payment made from Sin Network Florida to the North American Mission Board this week. That's odd. Yes. Spoofing. So explain. I, I don't, we don't have a whole lot of details. So okay. not a lot of details on this one. But they said in a statement that a payment, it, it basically somebody had like. Knew uh, how this happened. Yeah, knew how these things worked. And Got it. used it and was able to spoof it and get money from the Florida Baptist Convention. So what it said, the fraud was accomplished with a general knowledge of the communications and practice between the SBC entity, which is the North American Mission Board, and the convention, SIN Network Florida. An investigation is being launched to determine how this knowledge was gained. At no time, they have no reason to suspect malfeasance by any convention employees. Nevertheless, the convention is committed to fully investigating the matter. So they're not saying that anybody in the convention right. did anything wrong or anything. So let's just be clear there. NAM didn't do anything. The convention didn't do anything. Yeah. Just somebody basically became a middleman and kind of diverted some funds that and were meant out, for NAM. Yeah, and figured out how out to do how it. To, how to do it. And yeah. it sounds a lot like what we saw at that church in North Carolina just a few months ago. Remember that? The, uh, the building yes. funds? That yes. they spoofed an email. And right. they sent all their building funds not to the builder. That's right. But, That's right. They so, went to the to the that's yeah. man. I mean, we know that things like that are getting more and more sophisticated all the time. Um, but that's a that's a pretty serious situation. Yeah. So yeah, it's just just crazy to see that happen to a state convention like that. So we don't yeah. know the amount. We don't know when it happened. Even um, I said this week earlier, but I mean it was reported this week. So we don't know exactly when it happened. We don't know the amount. I mean, we didn't even know the entity until today. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday. The original story came out on Wednesday, but uh, the story that we're you know giving the update from came out on Thursday. So um, still a lot of questions, but our friends down in Florida doing a good job of keeping everybody informed and apprised of it. Uh, the good news, Amy, though, is that they do have reserve funds to cover the payment that was supposed to be made. So the money did get to where it was supposed to. And but they're trying okay. to recover that that was that was spoofed and, and stolen from. Got it. So, wow, wild story. Haven't haven't yeah. had that one. We haven't had uh, fraud stories until this year on the podcast, and now we've had one involving a church and one involving a state convention. So there wild stuff. All right, Amy. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we have some sad news though from Illinois, 
where a DR volunteer was killed when a tree fell down on him. So Wayne Lakehelt of Sugar Grove, Illinois, was working with a fellow Illinois Baptist Disaster Relief volunteer to cut a tree when it fell across his path. Oh, my goodness. And so they were you know, doing chainsaw stuff, and it right. the tree fell on him. And oh. was treated on the scene by emergency medical personnel for almost an hour, but unfortunately uh, succumbed to his injuries. I'm heartbroken to hear that for his family. And uh, it says that he and his uh, he and his wife, I think, they were had been very uh, involved in the response to the Highland Park Independence Day parade last year, mm-hmm. um, helping yep. organize ministry yeah. to families and traveling round trip every day for more than a week to to serve. They have served in response to hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, and then that was a, a mass shooting um, that, that he was respected by a lot of other disaster relief workers for just his, I think, compassion and, and skills, you know, and abilities. So, yeah. I mean, this wasn't a random DR volunteer. I mean, this was a guy that was right. really involved. They'd been involved for 11 years, he and his yeah. wife, after he had retired as an educator. And I mean, this is just heartbreaking, heartbreaking. So sad. So our, our prayers go out to the Lake Elt family and our friends up in Illinois. Um, it just, you know, just a sad, sad event there from Illinois. Just hate to see that. So Really sad. Very. All right. All right. Well, Amy, we have some news from the ARITF. They met this week in Atlanta on Monday and uh, gave us kind of an update saying that they're close to completing a sexual abuse prevention toolbox for churches. All right. So they had are this group had already been working toward producing a toolbox for churches. Um, but then they met, like you said earlier this week, and really focused in on trying to build something that at any church, like a, a church of any size, could be able to take the right steps from to, could be able to take the right steps toward uh, sexual abuse prevention and protection. And there were 26, we talked about the meeting in March, but 26 state convention teams at a meeting with them in March, and they gave lots of feedback and that helped in the building of this. So this is going to be a great resource and hopefully we'll build on what kind of started from caring well a few years ago. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, they're going to be reporting at the SPC annual meeting. Uh, Marshall Blaylock leading that team will be reporting and, and providing some of those resources at the annual meeting. So uh, being continue to be in prayer for our ARITF team as they prepare these resources and this toolbox for our Southern Baptist churches. Some other news regarding the annual meeting. Amy, there's going to be a new ethnic research network launched at the SBC annual meeting. Yeah, this is great because it really is an opportunity to pull together research specific that is related to all the different ethnic groups in the Southern Baptist Convention and help build better relationships um, among them and, and with one another. So it's still in the early stages of development, but it will help uh, make connections even more because, you know, as good friend of the pod, a good friend of you and me, Ed Stetzer always says facts are our friends. And so we've, We've been talking for years in the SBC since uh, 2011 was when the EC back then, you know, put a report out about 
sort of where where we were in this area and tried to do as much research as possible. But this is going to be something where, you know, sort of professional researchers can take this on and watch and see um, how the convention is developing in this. And the goal of this is always um, not just uh, the step of diversity, but really unity that um, not just that we have people from different ethnic groups who then come and then they go back to kind of their, uh, their communities and are not connecting, but we can actually show uh, unity and love with one another. And so this is a great, a great step to be able to understand sort of where things are. Yes. So if you're interested in that ethnic research network, you can check that out over at Baptist Press. The link is in the show notes for that should be a good meeting there in New Orleans at the annual meeting. All right, Amy, it is graduation season at our seminaries. we got Seminary Sunday coming up as well on the SBC calendar. And we have a record number of graduates at Gateway Seminary, their largest graduating class ever, 288 degrees, the most ever in one semester at the seminary. And as for the year, they graduated 348 graduates for the academic year, which is also a record high. Yeah, that's really exciting. And uh, also... They showed a lot of growth in international partnerships yeah. and graduates. In I wonder if Hong Jeff Kong, Orge has to go to all these. I don't know. Build up some frequent flyer. It says there. he will, though. It says he yeah. will. It says oh, that's in right. Hong it says Kong. Right in Hong Kong, they'll have the first twenty-six graduates of the Hong Kong co- of the Hong Kong cohort. Easy of, for you to say. Yeah, of their Chinese English bilingual program. And that, um, that, that'll be on May 20th, and Jeff Orge is going to go and celebrate at their first graduation. They also conferred 40 advanced ministry diplomas to students from the Asian Theological Institute at their Pacific Northwest campus in Vancouver, Washington. So uh, that's a, a great, great center, and it says they have classes there in more than... Um, uh, or they have classes in these advanced centers around the world, more than 16 languages, including Burmese, Mongolian, Swahili, Russian, Arabic. I mean, just all kinds of offerings there. Yeah. So yeah, really cool. It, just, it probably just fires up the gateway private jet, you know, hops it, goes. Uh, that was a joke, folks. You know, private jet comments. All, that, it's that always, always a joke. Seems to fall, that always seems to fall in the category that you feel like you have to say there's no private jet. It was a joke, except for that one state. Was it a state convention that did have yeah, a Yeah, that one state convention in uh, New Mexico. Yeah, yeah, that did have a plane in like the 50s or 60s that the state exec would. And they would have everywhere. laughed if you would have called it a private jet. It was basically right, a, I a, don't go, think. a go-kart with wings. <laughs> right, right. I don't think it was a private jet. But <laughs> no. anyway, let's yes. continue. All right. On to Midwestern, 73rd commencement there, celebrating the graduates and John Mark Yates transitioning uh, to the Pacific Northwest, speaking of. Yeah, that's right. So they had, um, it was their 73rd commencement exercises, and they had more than 250 graduates there. And among those graduates, they awarded a posthumous degree to Kaylee Duggar. Remember, she's yeah. one that we talked about. Uh, a, a while back that she was getting her master of theological studies in missions. She was from the Nashville area. And um, actually I, I didn't know her, but we had a lot of mutual connections. Her family and, and I had a lot of mutual friends and 
she was killed in a car accident earlier this year and had made a, clearly a tremendous impact on the campus there. So they awarded a posthumous degree to her. You know, I've I, I've not seen that too many times. I remember seeing that once at Southern, someone uh, similar as a car accident. Yeah. And a very uh, respected student, I think, in the music school and the faculty, you know, that's a moment that the faculty has to agree to award a degree um, when all the things weren't met. And they obviously do uh, to do that and give give that to the family. So a really great, really great thing. Then they also honored uh, they had their seminary professor of the year, and that was Blake Hearson. He's professor of Old Testament and Hebrew, as well as book review editor for the Midwestern Journal of Theology. And then they honored John Mark Yates for his service as he leaves and heads to Corbin University in Salem, Oregon as the president. We need to go visit. Okay. Salem, Oregon sounds delightful. The Pacific Northwest is beautiful. Well, I've never been, so I wouldn't know, but I would love to go to Salem. That sounds great. Yeah. I'm just throwing that out there. So, okay. I know John Mark's a big, you know, big friend of the pod. I'm sure he's listening. Yeah. So, yeah. All He'll right. text me. He'll text me later. Okay. All right. Uh, and then <laughs> down to Fort Worth, where OS Hawkins challenged the Southwestern graduates to fear the Lord. That's right. They had 346 doctoral master, undergraduate, and certificate graduates. And he did give the charge. And then also new president, David Dockery. Um, spoke as well and uh, urged the graduates to serve well and serve faithfully. Um, they represented, the graduating class represented 31 states and U.S. territories and 24 countries. And the first student, Luke Waters from Kannapolis, North Carolina, uh, not too far, uh, well, I mean, it's kind of the other side of the state, but still, not that far from me. Um, Matt, the first one to graduate with an MDiv in worship leadership. And then also 50 students from Japan who received their certificates in biblical counseling and the first group of female students to earn a uh, ministry certificate from the Hispanic programs in the Roy Fish School of Evangelism and Missions. So uh, great. Sounds like a great group of graduates there. You know who's from Kannapolis, North Carolina, Amy? Who? Dale Earnhardt. Great. Okay. Well, I expected more from you for that, but all right. Okay. Sorry. Well, Amy, that's going to do it for the news this week. So a lot of graduations. You got graduation coming up at uh, Southeastern this week, I guess. Yes. And, yes. Uh, I was. I had lunch with Jamie Dew this week, and he's got graduation down at New Orleans. I'm assuming Southern is this week as well. So we'll have more graduation recaps next week on the podcast. But on this week's show, it's time for my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right. So we are going to go to 1951 to a very interesting conversation that was happening in uh, happening among church and school leaders in Lake Wales, Florida. Um, and this is just interesting to me because when you think of how much has changed since 1951 on this. So it said church and school leaders in Lake Wales, Florida, have settled a longstanding problem over the use of weeknight time, according to Andrew M. Hall, pastor of the First Baptist Church. It came about recently when the school band director called an extra practice. Oh, which led to the breaking up of a church banquet. 
that had been planned for several weeks. So it sounds like what happened is school, there's a church banquet that's happening. School band director calls an extra practice and then a bunch of the students can't come to the church banquet and they have to cancel the church banquet. This is the interesting part because, you know, we live in a day now where people have travel ball, they have, you know, all kinds of, of practices. Immediately, the Ministerial Association of the City called for a conference with city school officials. So they do this in the town. And it says, after considerable discussion, some heated. I like that note. The schools, the schools agreed upon a free night of no student activities, and it was promptly labeled church night. The press gave ample publicity. The president of the Ministerial Association requested civic organizations to voluntarily cooperate with the plan. The night was Thursday. The churches fell in line. All in all, it can be considered a success. A few breaches of contract occurred, but the plan was new. It says, it seems now that our original request of Wednesday instead of Thursday night will be granted next year. At least our children are available to us one free night a week. We need these young people. And more than that, they need the church. I was fascinated by this story because, um, I mean, no one would even think about this now. Yeah. But like. Well, a couple questions here. Yeah. And it has to do with church practice. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't sound like there were many midweek church services or church events going on in 1951. So did our midweek service, you know, Wednesday night Bible study, Wednesday night prayer meeting, Wednesday night dinner, did that start, I guess, later than that? Is that a, I, I don't know the answer to that. I'm sure somebody's yelling at the, uh, at the, the speakers right I now. I don't know the history because I don't know of, this. of Wednesday Nathan Finn, service. help us out. I don't, I don't know the history of that. Bart um, Barber, resident historian, somebody. I mean, obviously it started at some, at some point. Also, you call yourself a historian, Amy. (laughs) I'm looking, and it is at a at some history websites as as we talk. It, I mean, it does talk about some midweek services all the way back to 1800s prayer meetings. Okay. Um, It says maybe there wasn't any chill or youth programming. Maybe that's what it was. No student. Maybe that. Yeah, yeah. That might be because this is 1950s. This is before you've got like youth pastors or you know youth it, ministers. it looks like what i'm seeing is that is that it yeah is that this was 1800s 1900 went midweek prayer meetings is where it kind of started so it's possible that what you're saying is uh is correct that it's youth events um okay but and i'm looking at this too i just found a life now alan research. jackson is yelling at the the computer right going yes that's I, what i I just found a Lifeway research study that talked about it was midweek prayer meetings. Um, oh, not the Chattahoochee singer, by the way. The other Alan Jackson, New Orleans right, right. student ministry the mid- guy. Midweek prayer meetings is where it started back then. But you're right. It may be that it's it's student activities. And so looks like, I mean, they had something scheduled. The school scheduled something on top of it. The church says, hey, wait a minute. You guys are messing with this. And and here's what's interesting is this really points to a time when the church had a significant role in the life of the town. And I, that's uh, that's really different now. Yeah, we, we and, need that, honestly. Yeah, 
Yeah. Things would be better. So, yeah. I wonder what kind of banquet it was. That's interesting that they didn't didn't note the banquet. They didn't, and this was um, this is in May. Now it said it was recently. It didn't say when it was. So I don't know if it was like a holiday banquet or maybe it was a you know end of the year banquet. I mean, I, or you know end of the school year banquet or getting close to the end of the school year. Maybe it was a senior banquet. I don't know. It's kind of crazy. But uh, anyway, when you see people talking or hear people talking about how activities, school activities should not get in the way of church. Um, that is not a new conversation because, but it is a conversation that leaders were much more a part of, not just parent choices um, because of the way that, you know, ci- like civic society was uh, set up in 1951. And it was a big deal this week in SBC history. Yes. It was like the youth night uh, version of BP here, by the way, issue. Yeah. Because uh, Roy yeah, Rogers, that's the, we've, we've done that one before. Uh, on we've the done that one before where Roy Rogers was going to be at the annual meeting. We never did find out if Trigger came. We did not. So, And and who was, he, who was he baptized by? John MacArthur's dad, Jack, which blows my crazy. mind every time I see that name. So wild, wild stuff. All right. Who knew that we would get Alan Jackson- Roy Rogers, Taylor Swift, all in one program. How about that? All right. But that's not that Alan us, Jackson. But not that Alan Jackson. But right. we did mention him. So, yeah. All right. So that brings us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is? Uh, mine is a podcast episode oh, at yes. Gospel Coalition. You've been yeah. yelling at me to listen to this. I'm going to listen to it tomorrow. Got drive. to. You got to. to. It's, uh, it's 90 minutes, but it is worth your time. Uh, so this is the Gospel Coalition. It's um, I, I actually am not sure what I guess Gospel Bound is the name of the podcast. I guess, and so it's um, I watched it because you can watch it on YouTube, and so we actually put it up on the TV to watch. But Colin Hansen has a conversation with um, Molly Worthen. So Molly is a history professor. A can we very, call her a friend of the pod? Yes, we can. All right. We can. Uh, so she's a very highly respected history professor at UNC, and she also is a longtime writer for the New York Times, but she's also written for a lot of other publications, and she is really respected for her scholarship on evangelicalism. Um, her book, Apostles of Reason, that came out, oh, it was like 2015, 2016, something like that, um, one of the best things, one of the best books I've read on evangelicalism, hmm. um, she she really captures some of the the reasons I think um, behind sort of why evangelicalism as a culture has operated uh, the way it has. In there's been a lot of stuff written on that, but her her thesis was very well supported, and so she's an incredible writer. Uh, but she's also a member of my church and a friend of mine. So um, I have long been a reader and uh, admirer of her and actually used to think, man, it would be great to meet her because we live in the same area. And now um, we we spend time together and we're in a Bible study together and it's uh, wonderful. So this 90-minute podcast is her really talking about the last uh, year and her conversion. So that's really, really cool. Really cool. cool. Um, And I think it has been 
an encouragement to a lot of people to hear her story and just hear the way she uh, articulates it. So I'll, uh, I, I won't, I won't go into too much detail cause I'll leave that to, uh, to, to her, but, but it's, it, it's worth, it's worth 90 minutes of your time. Yeah. There are a few times where I've seen you more excited in your voice than the day you called me and told me she was getting baptized. It was one of the best days I've ever had to see that. Yeah. So I remember that vividly, and I remember that phone call, and you were like, guess what, guess what, guess what? And yep. I'm like, well, what, Amy? <laughs> no, it was like, you know, did, yeah. you know whatever. And uh, and and you told me, and you were just bubbling. And uh, yeah, so that that's really cool. She she is one of the uh, smartest people I've ever met. Uh, she's also one of the kindest people I've ever met. And she's just that's great. Awesome. awesome. Yep. All right. Really cool. I'm looking forward to listening to that. I'm going to do that tomorrow. I'm going to drive. Uh, I've got a three-hour drive tomorrow, so I'm going to listen to it. My resource of the week is a series of articles from Chris Buckman. Uh, many of you may know Chris. She is the BCMD, the um, Baptist Convention of Maryland-Delaware Children and Youth Ministry Consultant. She's also on their Sex Abuse Task Force in the BCMD as well as the ARITF. So uh, you may know her name from that. But uh, she has a series of articles over at the BCMD website. We've used them at Baptist Press. I'm just going to link over to the BCMD because it's a little bit easier to navigate the series over there. Talking about this uh, toolbox that the ARITF yeah. is trying to get for churches. And these articles that she's been uh, providing and writing have been fantastic. So I think that's a good primer for where we're headed. I think it gives you kind of like a good base level of mm -hmm. things that you need to be thinking about in your church, things that you need to be uh, considering, things that maybe if you don't have in place, you need to put in place. So a good series of articles from Chris Buckman, who I, I've not met yet. I, don't, I guess, Amy, you've probably met her. Uh, yeah, but, she she was at the the Baptist Communicators Association. Okay. Oh, that's right. That that's right. Ago, and I that's spent right. a lot of time, spent a little bit of time with her, sat so, down one afternoon, and she's she's great. Yes. So I've heard great things. Looking forward to meeting her in New Orleans. She's going to be part of the Evangelical Council for Abuse Prevention training event in New Orleans. So I know she's going to be part of that. So if you're interested in that, there's an event in New Orleans. There's a couple of events now. Uh, there's another one, a um, adult uh, sex abuse uh, survivor type uh, event. It's uh, the guys that SBC Voices are putting on as well. So uh, several of these little events popping up at the SBC annual meeting, as well as this series from Chris. Looking forward to meeting her next month in New Orleans. I highly recommend this series of articles. Uh, like I said, we've used them at Baptist Press, and I know the BCMD is using them as well. So uh, thank her for writing those. Uh, but that uh, really, really good resources for you in your church as we approach uh, the SBC annual meeting. All right. All right. That's going to do it for the show this week. And uh, again, and not a rain show, but one of these days, maybe we'll do a rain show. Or maybe not. Or maybe not. All right. Well, anyway, I'll see you next week. See you next week.